Hello, good morning and welcome to our service here at Brighton Road Baptist Church Online on the second Sunday in Advent. And wherever you're joining us from, we extend a very warm welcome to each and every one of you. I hope and pray that this morning, as we join together in Advent worship, that this time will afford you much needed space to prepare for Christmas time. And so as we start our worship, let me lead you in a prayer of praise and hope. Lord Jesus, master of creation, as we see evidence all around us of your love in the changing seasons, we thank you for this special time of Advent. Lord of light, send your Holy Spirit upon our preparations for Christmas. We who have much to do need to seek quiet spaces to hear your voice each and every day. That you, Lord, in the midst of very trying times can send signs of hope and comfort to all your people, if only we look for them. Thank you for the winter sunshine for the vibrant berries on the trees, for the encouragement that we're hearing from scientists around how they hope to develop vaccines for coronavirus. And we ask Lord and praise you that these scientists may know your grace as they work on this further. Give us your peace as we seek to worship you this morning. Help us to discover once again the joy and the hope of Advent. In Jesus' name, Amen. There are so many things that I think we will miss this Christmas time, and yet we have the opportunity to discover new ways of celebrating Jesus' birth. One of the things that I'll miss for sure is the singing of carols. I love attending carol services, be that at my daughter's school, be that in central London where I've attended a charity carol service there for the last 25 years, or be that at Brighton Road for our traditional nine lessons and carols. And I have to tell you, I've already started listening to Christmas music just to compensate for the fact that that tradition won't be there this year. And yet, I think we can look for different ways to celebrate, be that in sharing the hope of Advent with others who we meet, being that doing that small act of kindness. And yet, at the same time, let's not be too tough on ourselves and enjoy the things that give us reassurance and peace. We started this morning by hearing that traditional Christmas Advent carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and that could remind us all of the tradition of thinking about Jesus coming to redeem the world. And let's now join together in quite a rousing Christmas carol that I'm sure we can all sing out and enjoy. Joy to the world, the Lord has come.
Last Sunday, we lit the first candle, the candle of hope. Today, we light the second, the candle of peace. We light it knowing full well that peace can be so elusive. Yet in this season of Advent, we trust that God is never absent from us. God is always preparing something new, and even where there is war and discord between countries, within families, perhaps in our own hearts, God is present, gently leading us to new possibilities. Loving God, in this time of preparation and planning, we thank you for the hope and peace you unfailingly show to us. Show us the creative power of hope. Teach us the peace that comes from justice. Prepare our hearts to be transformed by you, that we may walk in the light of Christ. Amen. So Claire, it's great that we can connect together as we prepare to lead worship today. Um, and given that this whole service is about Advent and um, Christmas time and how we prepare for that, I wanted to ask you, how are you preparing for Christmas this Advent? It's been such a difficult year, hasn't it, for so many people. And we as a family are just so grateful actually to be all together and 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 well uh, this Christmas. So we're really looking forward to quite a, a simple, I suppose, family family Christmas together. Um, just full of thankfulness, really. Um, mm -hmm. And it's lovely to have something to look forward to. Um, feel I really feel I miss having that sense of things in the diary and people to see and things to do. So to have a have something coming is good. Uh, we've put our lights up already to cheer up the uh, darkness a little bit, we'll wait a little bit longer for the rest of the uh, decorations. Um, but in terms of preparing ourselves for Christmas, I'm not quite sure we're there yet. Uh, I've been following um, my Bible in a year again this year, something I last did when Miriam was tiny and I've come back to it recently. Uh, and one of the uh, readings very recently was Mary's song from Luke. Mm. And for me, that was that was kind of the reminder that we are in this phase of being ready for Christmas. And um, she says in, in Luke 1, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour. Um, and, and I think it's that time to pause and to stop and to remember all the good things that God has done for us and all of his faithfulness. So, so nothing very elaborate or very fancy. Um, I'm actually quite looking forward to not having to do all the Christmas stuff this year to be honest. We get quite busy with school and church, don't we? So I think the opportunity to stop and to rest and to take to take stock and to be thankful uh, is something I'm actually looking forward to, to this year. Um, what about you, Judy? How are you preparing this year? What are you thinking of? Right. Well, it's been such a different year for me, not just because of lockdown, but because I stopped full-time work at the end of March. So I've kind of had the luxury of time and space to do a few things differently. Um, during the first lockdown, I volunteered with the NHS responders and that really gave me food for thought, time to listen to other people, time to share in a different way with other people and a time to really listen to what God wants me to do with my life. Um, Part of the time that I've had has been spent getting a bit more involved with church and in the last few weeks talking to Marion about making sure we had Advent candles for the Christmas services. And because I had time, I really had the space to look into the liturgy of the Advent candles about the meaning for the candles being hope, peace, joy and love. And it's amazing, isn't it, if we sit and think about some of the hopefulness that we've got, even in the last few weeks about vaccinations against COVID, 
encouragement of people all around us within the Brighton Road community. And then when everything seems choppy in the world, when we're turbulent, we can just come and find peace and calm. And that's been something that I don't often have the luxury to experience, but I have this year. Um, we're going to read a verse later on in the service from Isaiah chapter 40, which has really spoken to me. And it says this, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. Lovely verse of hope for the season, I think, of Advent. And whilst we probably won't be all physically together, um, my hope and prayer is that we will experience that glory of the Lord virtually or with the few friends and family that we can meet. And I think so, it's so lovely how, how the time that you've spent with the Lord and the things he's spoken to you and the way that he's blessed you then kind of overflows into a into a blessing for the whole church and I think that's something that actually should be a mark of how we are as church this Christmas time you know yes we're separate but God can speak to us each individually and I hope that as a church we can be open to that we can hear what you're saying to us individually and then that will overflow into what he's saying to to us as a church so thank you for your faithfulness julian it, it's great that you brought that that for us and i think it should be an encouragement for all of us actually that we can we can still be community and bless one another even as we are apart this christmas time oh thank you claire and thanks for making time for us to connect it feels just that much better than um, filming individual parts for a service that we then put out thanks a lot
Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 to 5. Comfort for God's people. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Our loving Heavenly Father, this is a very strange period in all of our lives, and we can easily feel quite overwhelmed as we contemplate circumstances and problems that look to be quite beyond the ingenuity of mankind to resolve. We rest, however, on your promise never to leave us or forsake us, and we ask that the prayers we bring to you this morning will be heard and answered according to your divine will. We pray for our world, a world that is in a mess, where Christians in so many areas are being targeted and persecuted, and where greed and corruption are commonplace. We pray for those who are suffering in so many ways, and we ask for your Holy Spirit to be working in the darkest places to bring about change and hope for a better future. We pray for our own country and those in positions of responsibility and leadership. Please give them wise judgment in decisions that have to be made. May those decisions help bring us together and not drive us apart, and may those who are suffering and fearing for the future be given cause in the coming days for renewed hope and encouragement. We pray for our church in these difficult times, for our ministers Tim and Michael and their families, and for our diaconate and those doing their utmost to keep us united and connected during this enforced time of physical separation. Please guide the decisions that have to be made and the plans being considered for the future. Please bless especially those in our fellowship who are feeling lonely and isolated or who are having to battle illness, bereavement, financial difficulties or family problems. We commit to you, dear Lord, our families and friends. Please reveal yourself to those who do not yet know you, to the neighbours whom we see around us. When we meet our neighbours, please give us the right words to speak, and may our own actions and lives be a testimony to your presence in our lives and perhaps help lead others to know you too. During this season of Advent, may your Holy Spirit work in the lives of all of us and those whom we long to find you to bring about lasting change. We offer these prayers to you in the name of and for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. John the Baptist prepares the way. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Good morning, Brighton Road. It's uh, really good to be here with you. Uh, thanks for this opportunity to, to share something this morning. Uh, we're here in the North Devon coast rather than in Dhaka. I thought it would be nice to uh, give a feeling of the great outdoors and so the background noise you can hear are the, the waves and we're in a kind of little derelict uh, building on, on the North Devon coast. So that's the setting but here's the scripture for today. A very short, uh, short reading, Mark chapter 1 verse 1. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. A few weeks ago, uh, we were in Dhaka, and we were in a room in the office. About 25 people had been gathered together. Uh, they were new believers and had come to learn a bit more about Christian faith and, and prepare for baptism. And, uh, and I was thinking, what should we share? What do we talk about? with this group of new believers, because becoming a Christian in Bangladesh is, is no small matter. There's big sacrifice involved. There's uh, the need to re-register with government. There's the threat uh, and reality of persecution for new believers. And so in that situation, you tread quite carefully and, and seek a bit of wisdom. And you're aware that, uh, that what you're sharing has big implications. And funnily enough, the verse that we're thinking about this morning is the verse that came into my mind, how Mark begins his gospel with that very, very bold declaration. And all the way through Mark's gospel, we have that ongoing question, either explicit or implicit. The question, who is this? Who is this person, Jesus? And so I thought with that group of new believers, we would just take a quick walk through Mark's gospel, simply asking that question, who is this? What does it mean if he is who he says he is? So we began in Mark chapter one, Jesus and his first preaching outing, as recorded in Mark, he's in Capernaum. And as he's preaching, the words that we hear on the lips of those listening, Mark 1.21, the words you hear is that question. He teaches like someone with authority. Who is he? Who is this? We've not heard teaching like this before. And then suddenly bursting into the scene is a man troubled by evil spirits. And he shouts out at Jesus. He shouts, we know who you are. Have you come to destroy us? And again, the crowd uh, uh, who are watching uh, are kind of a bit confused, but the question that's on their lips is the question, who's this that even the demons are obeying him? And then in chapter two, the scene changes, a scene perhaps not unlike where we are this morning. Jesus is in a busy house, again in Capernaum. And it's crowded with people listening to him. And then, and then suddenly, some scratching sounds and breaking up of the roof is heard overhead. And the roof is opened and a paralysed man is laid down in front of Jesus. And as if that scene wasn't dramatic or shocking enough, particularly for the householder, Jesus then says to the man something even more shocking. He says to him, your sins are forgiven. 
and then he heals the man as a response to the outcry of the religious leaders and those watching who were all saying to Jesus, Jesus, you can't say that. Only God can forgive sins. And so Jesus says, well, to show that I have the authority to forgive sins, he says to the man, get up, pick up your mat and go home. And again, the words on the lips of the crowd are the same words that we hear coming through Mark's gospel again and again and again. Who's this guy? Who is this who says that he's able to forgive sins? Who's able to heal a paralysed man? Then skip forward to chapter 4. It's a scene of wind and waves. Jesus is asleep in a boat out on the sea. And the storm begins to blow. And the disciples are terrified and they come to Jesus, waking him up, sleeping there in the boat and say to him, Jesus, don't you care that we're all going to die? And Jesus gets up from his sleep and speaks to the wind and the waves and says to them, be still, be quiet. And everything becomes calm still and the disciples turn to one another and say who's this that even the wind and the waves obey him you get in the hang of this now <laughs> in mark's gospel chapter 5 similar incident takes place jesus is is met by a leader from the the synagogue a guy called jairus whose daughter is sick and he says to jesus jesus come and jesus after a, a little bit of time, arrives at the house, but by the time he gets there, everyone is saying to Jesus, Jesus, it's too late, she's already died. But Jesus says, she's not dead, she's just sleeping, and he goes into the room where the young girl is, and he raises her from the dead. And again, the question implicit in the story is, who is this? who even has power over death. We were sat in that room in Dhaka and, uh, and to try and orientate ourselves around who was in the room, we said to the, the young guys who were there, we said, we said, how is it you've ended up here? What is it that, that has brought you to this point? And one of the young guys, he said, he said, well, we've come to discover Jesus as the great light. And so we want to know who he is because we want to follow him. And as well as that being a great lead-in to what, to what I was planning to share from Mark's Gospel, it's the question that was on their lips. It's the question we see running through Mark's Gospel. Who is he? Who is he? Who is he? In Mark's Gospel, the pivot point of the Gospel comes in Mark chapter 8, where Jesus is talking, he's travelling with his disciples, and he says to them, who does everyone say that I am? And they respond, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're a prophet, some say, some say you're Elijah. And then Jesus focuses the question to them and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that declaration is the pivot point in the gospel. Right after that declaration, Jesus says to his disciples, I must go and I must die. He says it three times in chapter 8, in chapter 9, in chapter 10. And the whole of Mark's story is gathered towards the point where in chapter 15, Jesus is dying on the cross. And then, as he is dying on the cross... A Roman centurion who is supervising the execution is watching everything that's taking place. And as he sees Jesus die, he says, truly, this man was the son of God. The answer to the question that's running all the way through Mark is put onto the lips of the Roman centurion. 
and everything Jesus has said about himself and has done is vindicated by that death and the resurrection recorded in chapter 16. And so what Mark has done in his gospel is at beginning and end, he has followed that question, who is this, who is this, who is this? And his answer in Mark 1, chapter 1 is this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. You know, what does this mean? What is the application? Why does that matter so much? Well, it matters so much in Bangladesh because people are making a decision about whether to follow Jesus Christ that is going to change the whole, the whole direction of their lives. There will be consequences, there are dangers. And if Jesus is just a prophet, just a teacher, then why take that risk? So for them, they need to know the answer to that question. For us today, in the West, in our perhaps more comfortable life, where the threat of persecution is not the same, the, the reason that we need to answer that question, who is this, is maybe a different reason. But I think what we've all discovered in this past year, when we've had to come to terms with the fact that life isn't as much under our own control as we would like to think, We've had to come to terms with some bigger questions about our life. And the answer that Mark's Gospel gives in chapter 1, verse 1, and throughout that Gospel, is if you need someone to teach you truth, who will do you that? If you need someone to be with you in your sickness, then who will be there with you? If you need someone who is Lord of all creation and who can forgive your sins, then who is going to do that? And if you want someone to take away your fear and to give you hope even in death, then who will do that? The answer of Mark's Gospel in chapter 1, verse 1, is Jesus is good news. He is the Messiah. He is Son of the living God. Amen.
please join me in the words of the benediction. Take your encouragement from Christ that your joy may be complete. We will share in the spirit. We will find consolation in love. Practice a ministry of humility and compassion for God is at work in you, empowering you. We will welcome Christ into our hearts. We will live lives worthy of the gospel. We will go forth in hope and peace. Amen. And so as our service draws to a close today, I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has contributed to Peter Lynch for bringing God's word to us, to Claire, Robin, Errol, Miriam and Rob, Clementine and Adrian for their contributions. And I wish you a very happy week as you go about your daily routine and as you make your preparations for Christmas. I really pray that you will experience the peace, the hope, the joy and the love of this Advent time. Let us listen as we finish to John Rutter's carol called Candlelight Carol. And the words talk of that very first wondrous Christmas when Jesus was born. And I think they'll be really helpful as we look ahead to Christmas this year. Thank you. Oh,